Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome into Odds On. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. The power slowly coming back on here at Circa, where we sit in beautiful downtown Las Vegas in the VSIN studio. Amal, well, we know the Super Bowl matchup LA Rams versus the Cincinnati Bengals from SoFi in two weeks. I'm sure we'll talk about the game between now and then, or at least you will a lot. I'm only going to be here this week with the baby coming. But I feel like I might be catching COVID. I, <laughs> I want to start out with a big congratulations to you. Thank you. You bet the Rams to win the NFC after the Stafford trade, and you got there. Yeah, I was fortunate in that game. You know, they fell behind, and then uh, Jimmy Garoppolo finally does what Jimmy Garoppolo always does and shows up in that fourth quarter like I expected him to. Terrific opportunity missed there by the San Francisco 49ers. Not only to get the Super Bowl, but Mike, to me, the big mistake was the Rams utilizing all three timeouts before even halfway through the fourth quarter. I can't remember the last time in a game of this caliber, a team goes no. into the later stages of a game that's close with no timeouts remaining. And when the Rams got the ball, excuse me, the 49ers got the ball after the Rams tied it, I thought all you got to do is run a four-minute offense because as soon as you get to the two-minute warning with Robbie Gold, anything inside the 30-yard line, you've got three points. You just take three knees, kick the field goal, and you come back in two weeks. The uh, McVay used two of the timeouts on Two of the worst challenges you'll ever see in your life. I heard that. So, I, for full disclosure, mm-hmm. I, Mike, I just slept through the game. I, I woke up in about the fourth quarter. I turned it on because I, I was like, I don't want to see the result. I was like, ah, whatever happens. I was so tired. And so, I wake up in the fourth quarter, and I see him make that challenge. And, look, I understand people are criticizing him for that. Number one, generally, it's a video guy who tells you to challenge it. But I thought the one on the use check potential fumble was because he thought, hey, they may go for it. We have an opportunity to get the ball. They were down 17-14 there. And I, I don't know what the other one was. It was a Stafford sneak on fourth and one where he was short and he challenged the spot. Was it pretty clear he was it, short? It, clear he was. I couldn't believe that he challenged it. They were wow. not going to overturn it. Um, in the entire regular season in 18 weeks, he only challenged once. Challenged twice in the second half of that game. A little bit of error of desperation. A l- little bit. Uh, to your point of he might have wanted to regroup and set up a fourth down defense on that play, I never thought that San Francisco would go for it there. I thought that I thought Aikman said it to begin with. They're going to try to draw him off sides, yeah. and, and that's what they did. Um, so the line settles in here. It opened for Super Bowl, opened three and a half in some places, four at others, but it's really seemed to settle in at four in favor of the Rams over the Bengals here. Is that where you expected the line to be? I, I did. I thought this was exactly what we'll see at. I was actually surprised the opener came in at three and a half because it got bumped up pretty quickly, and I said it would open at four. But, Mike, the thing to me is um, I, I feel like 
the Rams are going to run away with this one. I, I love this matchup for them. I don't like the line, and I'm going to ask in the burning questions a theory on the line here. I think mm-hmm. the line is wrong. Um, but let's get to uh, let's get to what we love to do on Mondays, and that's shenanigans. The people that are on Amal's naughty list for uh, some gaffes over the weekend, and we'll start out with the entire Chiefs coaching staff. Yeah, I'll tell you what. First of all, let's start at the end of the first half of that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike, you're up 21-10. Well, here's my issue. I don't have a problem if you choose to run the ball, you hand it off and run it and try and get a yard because I think you would catch Cincinnati by surprise a little bit because they expected a pass because you have no timeout, so that way it's incomplete. You can get a field goal. They throw that pass in the in the back, or not in the back, but you know, just basically on the out uh, to uh, Tyreek Hill, and Eli Apple made a terrific tackle there. He gets him down, end of the half. I mean, you can't make that mistake. Those three points were crucial. Could have been potential six, but even if they don't get the six, got to get the three there. They got the the holding penalty or the pass interference yeah. with eight seconds to go. Yeah. So they had first and goal at the the two. They ran the play. He didn't have an option. He threw the ball away. They had five seconds left. I thought you should have just kicked the field goal there with five seconds. I, I can appreciate what you're saying, and I'm not going to disagree. I would have gone for it. I would have thrown a quick, you know, Kelsey, whatever, in end zone. If you get there, you get there. If you don't, you don't, and then you kick it. But I thought they had enough time because the distance is so short. But I didn't like the play call. That was the whole problem. You can't you, throw it short of the end zone. You can't throw it short of the end zone, especially not when you got one yard to not go. Not unless you got somebody on a boot and he's just wide open. And yeah. you can't do that. There no. was two defenders there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on. Jimmy G. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, this guy signs a five-year deal in 2017 and he comes over in the trade from the New England Patriots. His record as a starter, there's a huge difference. I think the 49ers are eight and thirty-one without him in the lineup. He's he's an average quarterback. That's what he is. He's not great. He's not horrible. But I don't believe the San Francisco 49ers are a team that should have him under center because, Mike, I believe if you look at it from a talent standpoint, if you said, okay, let's take the quarterback position out of the equation for every team in the NFL, I believe the San Francisco 49ers are the best of the 32 teams from a talent standpoint minus the quarterback position. He is the difference in what this team needs to get over the top, and he can't do it. Look at that play by Debo Samuel. I saw the highlight. I couldn't believe that touchdown he had. No. They've got a good running game in Elijah Mitchell. Mitchell, we know um, – Kyle Shanahan, in my opinion, one of the top three play callers in the NFL from an offensive standpoint, McVay and uh, Sean Payton. And this team defensively is outstanding, but they just couldn't get it done. The defense, you limit an opponent to 20 points in today's NFL, you expect to win a road game. Let's move on. The Rams offense. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like they were fortunate. Again, I said I didn't watch much of the game, but Matthew Stafford and them struggled they scored seven points through the first three quarters. Cooper Cup doing what he always does, putting up numbers against the uh, against this team. Eleven catches for a buck forty-two. OBJ nine for one thirteen. But I thought they should have been a little bit better. Uh, Matthew Stafford in that fourth quarter was fortunate that ball was not picked off on that one. He heaved down the middle of the field, just kind of threw it up for grabs. That seemed like an error of desperation. In the first half, they had first and goal to go, and ended up on third goal, third and goal. There was a tip pass, and the Niners intercepted it in the end zone. Wow, um, which was fortunate for them. Um, but but I understand your point. 20 points shouldn't be enough to get it done in the modern NFL. And then finally, the Chiefs' defense. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about last week how everyone was criticizing the overtime situation. Last time I checked, the Cincinnati Bengals got to stop. By, by the way, did all those people run and hide now? Did they say, forget this overtime rule? I haven't heard a single peep about people complaining about uh, getting the ball first. You would have heard it a lot if they would have went and scored a touchdown, though. Well, it didn't happen. Your defense is yep. part of the team, too, and they got to make stops. And Cincinnati's defense did exactly that. They played tremendous football from that third quarter, fourth, and into the overtime. And uh, 
to me, that that's what you saw be the difference in this one. I thought that the Cincinnati defense got a big jolt out of getting two sacks to end the game and force the long oh, field goal. Yeah. Going into that overtime, they were feeling pretty confident. I thought Mahomes held on to the ball a little bit too long at times. I mean, The whole game. Yeah. He was sacked four times them all. I didn't realize it was four. Four times for 39 yards. Yeah, Hubbard, make, uh, Hubbard making a big play there. And uh, then the interception by Von Bell. It was outstanding in terms of what they were doing. As soon as you got that, and then Mixon just running it right down their throat. All right, let's get to the burning questions like we do on Monday. And I'm going to start out. The first question is about this line in the Super Bowl. If Kansas City was a seven or seven and a half point favorite, in a lot of places outside of Las Vegas, this line stayed seven and a half against the Bengals. And they were a two and a half point favorite in the look ahead against the Rams in LA. Why aren't the Rams a five point favorite over the Bengals? You know, because. In my opinion, I think based on what the Bengals are able to do against uh, Tennessee and Kansas City on the road, I believe that the odds makers think they'll take Cincinnati money. And this offense is very capable against anybody, but I think they're going to be challenged by this Rams defense. To me, this is the first defense they're really going to face. I agree with you. I think the Rams' pass rush is good. They, they had the matchup in that the fact that Kansas City was not able to get pressure on Burrow. We thought that would be a big Achilles heel. They gave up nine, really 11 sacks against Tennessee the week before. Kansas City line did not put pressure on Burrow. Burrow was actually able actually to get out and run key points in this game. That's not going to be the story against the Rams. Question two. If you held a teaser ticket on Kansas City yesterday or a money line ticket on Kansas City, which position would you have rather had? Up four with a minute 30 to go and kicking off to the Bengals who had no timeouts or tied headed into overtime? I'd rather have up four. I thought Reed was way too conservative at the end of the game, Kansas, uh, Cincinnati used their last timeout yep. inside of the two-minute warning. It was second and goal from the four. You have to run the ball on second and goal from the four. No question. No matter what you – if you get it close, you score. But if you don't, you know that you've taken it down inside of a minute. Mahomes didn't want to throw the ball away, so ends up taking a six-yard sack to keep the clock running, and then another big sack on third down. I thought the play call – on second down was probably the worst part of this game for the Chiefs. I would agree with you, and I was really surprised by their decision there not to do that. And, it, you know, obviously it came back to bite them later on. Following up on that, while Andy Reid bungled the last minute of both halves, isn't the real re- reason the Chiefs aren't going to their third consecutive Super Bowl the play of one Patrick Mahomes? Uh, I would say so in the second half of that game. You know, for as great as he was against Buffalo, that second half he was a polar opposite. It was a 180-degree difference from where he started last week. Mike, this team had some opportunities. They missed some throws, missed some oppor- uh, chances to really kind of convert when they were there. I-, I was disappointed with their play calling. And again, I don't know who the hell calls the plays in Kansas City, whether it's the enemy. If it's the enemy, I'm not hiring him as my head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, people keep asking why he doesn't get hired as a head coach because he's terrible. Okay? It just it's, Let's be clear about this. These play calls are horrendous. By the way, this is what I never understand with teams. We're going to run a fake field goal or a fake punt and we're going to have our punter or holder throw the ball when we've got Patrick Mahomes. Not in this case, but remember the option that they mm-hmm. ran? Those are the types of plays I don't understand. The biggest threat in the NFL is on your own team, but you want to go with somebody else. And some of the decisions they made in this game, some of the play calling, is still big questions. And then finally, Jimmy G is who you thought he was. But at the end of the day, wasn't it about the 49ers' defense simply not being good enough? They gave up an 18-play, 97-yard drive that took over nine and a half minutes off the clock in the second quarter, and then three consecutive scoring drives for the Rams to end the game. Uh, again, I didn't see the game, so I, I can't speak to that drive in the second quarter. But remember, Cooper Cup is the guy that dominated this team. Coming into this matchup this year, he had 16 catches for 240 yards in the two matchups. 
And then on top of it, you got OBJ on the other side who's gone. I, I didn't think ever OBJ could go under the radar, but he has in Los Angeles, which is kind of shocking. He was tremendous. Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. It's not like he's some guy that's just some Johnny-come-lately who can't get it done. I, I don't think you can blame the 49ers' defense when they give up 20 points in today's NFL when everybody gives up a million points. But if you get them off the field at any point in the fourth quarter there, you win that game. Yeah, fair enough. But how about the offense getting the first I, I get it. I get it. I get it. They didn't get a lot of support. But they, they, their defense had to carry them in Green Bay. It carried them in Dallas. Weather was a factor, but fatigue becomes a factor. Yeah. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast. Get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights, Hardwood Handicappers, Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They are all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Up next, college basketball. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge your leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke free, spit free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Winter Green, or Amal's personal favorite, Citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Rip Van Winkle, Amal Shaw. Nice to have you back with you us. You know what? Let me tell you something. I flew to San Diego after the show on Thursday, on Friday. Drove back Friday night. But I'm glad the trip teppers of the world don't have much to do But besides listen to us. It's always beneficial. He's also a voracious uh, follower of the Megapod with uh, Dr. <laughs> Gil Alexander. Oh, let's. Can we get some more of those tennis picks from them? Oh, well, you're on the same side today, so good luck to you. Oh, I'm in trouble then now. <laughs> okay, let's start out with some of these props we had over the weekend. Just a little bit on the interesting uh, results. Remember, most passing yards, Mahomes and Burrow were co-favorites at plus 175. Matt Stafford actually came home the winner at plus 225. Stafford ends up with 337 passing yards. The only one to surpass 300 of them all. Mahomes was second with 275. Most rushing yards goes to the co-second choice, Joe Mixon, 
who went for 88 for 21 yards. And I give Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati offense credit. They continued to use the running game there. In fact, the one time they didn't run the ball in first down in the second half, Burrow threw an interception. Tell you what, <laughs> it, it really amazes me when you look at this game. Just when you look back on Kansas City, right, four consecutive conference mm-hmm. championship games, you're going to look back and say, what a missed opportunity. Because you felt like they would feel good going up against the Rams in the Super Bowl as well. It's just, I don't know, you look look back and Kansas City's going to really regret. They've got to go defense. got to improve this defense in the draft. Cooper Cup was the favorite, and he took home most receiving yards, 11 catches for 142. OBJ at 14-1 to actually finished second with nine for a buck 13. I was impressed with him. I was impressed with the hits he took. He got right back up for the next play. He is a guy that really proved his worth in this uh, playoffs for this Rams team. You know, he made the noise to get out of Cleveland, and boy, did he made the right did he make the right decision? Okay, I want to talk uh, a little bit about these same game uh, player parlays from DraftKings that they're offering on the Super Bowl, and get your opinion on if you like any of them to start out with here. I think uh, I think they're probably going to get bet down. They're only one way bets. Yes, there's no no. But if you like them, maybe now's the time to take them. Here's one. Will Cooper Cup get 100-plus receiving yards and a touchdown, plus 165? I would say yes. Yeah, I like the price yeah, so on do that. I. Yeah, I bet a... you that might close as a favorite. I don't know if it'll come down that much, but no. I like that one a lot, yeah. Um, will Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase both have 100 or more receiving yards, plus 390? I was, wow, it's, you, <laughs> you just have to take a shot with the yes simply based on the price, but... I think Chase matched up against Ramsey, and with that Rams pass rush, could be a challenge. Same uh, same prop for Chase's for Cup, a hundred or more receiving yards and a touchdown, four to one. Uh, if you're going to say yes on the Chase and Cup, then you have to take this one as well because you know what? No, because Chase may not score as much. He's not as much of a red zone threat as Cooper Cup is. Although he did have a great touchdown, a very physical reception there uh, for Cincinnati yesterday. Same prop for Odell Beckham. Will he get 100 or more yards and a touchdown? It's 5-1. to one. Um, No, no touchdown. And Higgins. T. Higgins, 100 uh, or no. more and a touchdown is plus 550 them all. No. No there as well. I kind of like the one where they both get 100 yards receiving. Yeah, that way you don't have to get the touchdown um, uh, out of chase. Okay. Um, thoughts on Saturdays? I know you were watching uh, although while doing the show with Femi part of the time and then watching after. SEC, Big 12 showdown. They were they are the best two conferences yeah. this year. They played 10 games because there's only 10 teams in the Big 12. SEC ends up going 6-4. and four. Yeah, really dominant performance. Uh, and when you look at the key games, Baylor loses at Alabama. Kansas gets blown Oof. out by Kentucky. Oof. And then Tennessee loses at Texas. The one thing I don't understand, they had a beautiful design play by Tennessee at the end of that game against Texas. What I didn't understand was, why would you go for three when you're down one? How about a 17, how about yeah. a 12 foot, 15 foot jumper? Yeah. I mean, you could have run a something similar, but why shoot a three point shot down by one? I was surprised they could come back from 13 down in the last five minutes, though, against that defense. 16 to one run. Yeah. Impressive <laughs> what Tennessee was able to do. Um, yeah, some good games. TCU beats LSU. That was a good win for uh, for the Big 12 as well. And the, the only game that I bet, I laid the, we said this number would be seven and a half. It was seven and a half. I laid it in Lubbock and they destroyed Mississippi State. I, I thought that was a complete mismatch. I, I told you, I thought the Michigan State line should have been seven and a half or eight. It was four and a half. Four. It was three and a half. It was three on the overnight. Oh, my Lord. It was three on the overnight. I couldn't believe it. And um, I missed it. I didn't even know it until the game. When I looked, the game had already started. And then I didn't want to chase the end game number. Well, maybe Juwan can now go to Minnesota or wherever <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is going to wind up and help him celebrate one victory. Because tell you what, Mike, this Michigan team, unless they get things turned around quickly, they're not going to make the postseason tournament. All right. Let's look at today's slate in college basketball. And let's start off 
in that beautiful place, South Bend, Indiana, the Purcell <laughs> Pavilion at the Joyce Center. Center yes. Four o'clock Eastern time. This is the first of uh, Big Monday on ESPN. It's the ninth-ranked Blue Devils of Duke University going in to play Notre Dame. Amal, both schools are 7-2 and two, um, in the ACC, just a half game behind and tied in the loss column with Miami. Duke 17-3 and three overall, Notre Dame 14-6. and six. Notre Dame has won four in a row. They're nine at home at the Purcell Pavilion this year. They won Saturday against Virginia 69-65, covering as a three-point favorite. Duke coming off a big win in the Yum Yum Center in Louisville, 74-65 on Saturday. They also covered as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Duke laying five-and-a-half on the road with a total of 143-and-a-half. Yeah, I like the home dog here. I think it's mm. too many points. You look, you mentioned that matchup against Louisville. I don't think these two teams are comparable. Notre Dame can really shoot the basketball. Uh, Goodwin's been outstanding for them. And the one thing is the challenge for Notre Dame is going to be on the interior because Duke, when you look at them, they have done a tremendous job defensively. They really can cause some problems. And the big man has really been able to alter some shots and just made a huge difference in there. Drawing a blank on who um, is it Williams, I think, for Duke. He's so long. It becomes so tough to shoot over him. But I, I think five and a half is a few too many here on the road. Yeah, I, I probably would have made this line about four, but it was tough. I, I looked at it. Um, Hoops Peterson's on Duke here tonight, so I decided to pass on the game. Second game on the Big Monday doubleheader on ESPN at 6 o'clock Pacific time is in the Big 12 as West Virginia travels to Waco to take on now eighth-ranked Baylor. It's been a tough time for Huggy Bear. They've lost five in a row, including in Fayetteville on Saturday when they lost in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, 77-68. to Baylor won at West Virginia Amal on January 18th, 77-68 as a five-point favorite. Tonight in Waco at the Farrell Center, they're laying two touchdowns. Baylor minus 14 with a total up from 136.5 on the overnight to 139.5. I'm going to touch this number, but I'll tell you what, Mike, West Virginia can't shoot the basketball. That's their biggest problem. They consistently cannot shoot, and until Bob Huggins gets some guys that can shoot the ball, they're going to be in real trouble. McNeil's a good shooter, but he doesn't take enough shots. And they're too reliant on Taz Sherman offensively. I think Baylor really slows them down offensively. Uh, I, I think Baylor really runs away in this game. I don't know if I'm going to lay 14, though. Too many. 4 p.m. Pacific time on the Big Ten Network from the Bryce Jordan Center in Happy Valley, Pennsylvania, Iowa. At Penn State, Iowa comes in 14-6, and 4-5 and five in league play. Penn State, 8-9 and nine on the season, 3-6 and six in league play. Penn State's lost three in a row, all on the road. They return home for this game. They played earlier in the year on January 22nd at Carver-Hawkeye. The Hawkeyes covered as 10-point favorite, 68-51. to The return trip sees the Hawkeyes favored by 4.5 on the road with a total of 139.5. I like the under in this game. Don't like the sides. Uh, I think Iowa wins this game right around somewhere around this number. Penn State competes for about 30 to 35 minutes every game, it seems like. They have a four- to five-minute stretch during a game in which they just struggle. And against an Iowa team that's so efficient offensively, you don't want to do that. If you're Penn State, you got to make this a half-court game. You've got to get back on defense every opportunity you have. And then when you get to the foul line, you've got to convert. Um, if they don't do that, I think they could get blown out. All right. Fox Sports 1 has a doubleheader in the Mountain West tonight. The first game at 5 o'clock Pacific time from Merida Auditorium in Laramie, Wyoming. Colorado State at Wyoming. Colorado State 16-2, and 6-2 and two in league play. Wyoming 16 and 3, 5 and 1 in league play. Colorado State got absolutely destroyed at home by UNLV uh, on Friday. That was a shocking result. 88 74. Wyoming has yet to lose in Laramie this year. They're 8 now at home. Their only conference loss, a flattering one, 65 62 at Boise. 
This game was a pick on the overnight. Now Colorado State laying a point and a half on the road with a total of 144 and a half of all. Yeah, uh, I wanted to go with Colorado State here, but I don't like taking teams on the road. And they're one of the few teams that doesn't get affected by the altitude in Laramie. 7,220 feet shouldn't be a problem for the Rams because they play at altitude themselves, not quite as high up. But this is a team that I think it's a good bounce back spot for them. Remember, you mentioned it. The game against UNLV, they just absolutely got crushed. David Roddy's got to play well. If he does, I think they got a great chance. Interior matchup between him and Grave, uh, Graham I.K. should be outstanding in terms of which guy can prevent getting in foul trouble will be the key. Second game in the doubleheader, 7 o'clock from the Vieja Center. New Mexico at San Diego State. New Mexico finally got a conference win at home in the pit over San Jose State, 86-70 on Friday. San Diego State lost to a desperate Utah State team in Logan on Thursday, 75-57. The Aztecs laying 14.5 here, Amal, 138.5. Um, I think the number's a little bit high on the total. I, I like this game under. I think San Diego State defensively is going to come out. They played poorly against Utah State. All right. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the rest of the lineup in college basketball. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Get ready to watch the big game. We want to make sure VEASAN is a part of your plans. On Championship Weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VEASAN.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the VEASAN betting experts before, during, and after all the action on VEASAN.com. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw, continuing to break down the slate in college basketball tonight. Amal, let's turn our attention back to the Big 12 TCU at Oklahoma. This game will be at 6 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN2 from the Lloyd Noble Center. TCU coming off that great victory over LSU in Fort Worth on Saturday, upsetting the 19th-ranked Bengal Tigers 77-68. to They are 3-3 three and three in conference play, 14-4 and four overall. Oklahoma 13-8 and eight and 3-5. and five. They've lost 5 of 6, including the toughest assignment in the whole challenge, having to go to Auburn. And play the Tigers. They had that game to within three early in the second half, but Auburn pulled away down the stretch. You and I both thought they would get dusted there. Yeah. I thought it was a real challenge because when you look at this team, interior-wise, they're effective. But against a team like Auburn, who's got so much length, it really changes what Tanner Groves can do for them. I like them in this matchup against TCU, but I don't like laying five and a half here, Mike. I think they win. I don't know if they cover. And I'm surprised this number is what it is because this was a comparable number at Oklahoma State. I don't necessarily view Oklahoma State and Oklahoma as the same team in terms of putting a spread. I would probably have made the six and a half. They played this game in Fort Worth uh, on on January 15th. Oklahoma was a one-point favorite on the road. The game was tied at 50. I'm all at the end of regulation. Ends up TCU wins 59-58 in overtime. My question is, isn't 127 and a half a little too tall here? It may be, especially with the way Oklahoma can defend. And TCU, we know they will defend not necessarily a great shooting team as well. If you look at them, just 43% from the floor overall could struggle in this game. The, my problem with the reason why I don't like these games that at this number 120, you know, if you've got a 64-60 type of game, or not even that high, but let's say somewhere in the late teens and you get fouls later on, the, the last minute can become very precarious. You can wind up with eight, nine points. I, you know, I tend to, if I play unders, play first half unders. Yeah, which I think is not a bad play. Yeah. out of the game. Um, okay. All right. Let's move on here. Let's go to the Colonial. We discussed the Colonial last week when we talked about UNC Wilmington had been undefeated in first place in the league 
They were going to Northeastern, and Northeastern was a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Wilmington won that game 74-68. Then they played three days later in Wilmington, and they beat Northeastern again. They're now 8-0 in league play, 13-5 and overall. And tonight at 4 p.m. from the Trask Coliseum, they'll be hosting Drexel, who's 9-8 and and 4-4 and in league play. Drexel has alternated wins and losses this year since January 3rd. They lost at Towson on Saturday 66-62. Wilmington. A one-and-a-half-point favorite with a total of 139-and-a-half. Yeah, really no respect being given to the uh, Seahawks in this one. Dragons coming in as a very short favorite, excuse me, underdog. Mike, when I look at this matchup, the one thing I don't get is how this team continues to dominate but such a short home edge. You know, against Hofstra, their home dog, they get the win against the Pride. Uh, Drexel shoots the ball far better than Wilmington. That's the one concern, but defensively, really good. That's where they kind of hang their hat uh, by comparison to what they do offensively. No play here in this game one way or the other. All right, and then uh, in the Southern Conference, the final game we're going to touch on, because it's on ESPNU at 4 o'clock Pacific time, in Macon, Georgia, Wofford at Mercer. Wofford 5-5 five five in league play, 13-9 overall. Mercer 5-4, and 12-10 overall. It's a tale of two teams coming into this game. Wofford destroyed Greensboro 85-66 at home on Saturday. Mercer's lost two in a row, including a 30-point thumping by Furman, also at home on Saturday. Wofford lane four and a half on the road with a total of 136 and a half a mile. Yeah, this is a team. Neither of these teams are kind of as good as they've been in years past. A little bit of struggle here and there. But when you look at this Mercer team so far, eight and two at home and Wofford just five and five on the road, I'd be apt to take the home dog. Uh, Mercer comes in having lost two in a row. Last time these two teams met was in the conference tournament. Mercer eked out a one point win in that game. Uh, either home dog or no play here. All right, let's turn our attention to. Um, Circa has posted some college basketball futures. Now, this is to win your conference tournament, not the conference regular season, but to win the conference tournament. And let's start out taking a look at the SEC, all. Right now, Auburn, who's undefeated in the league play and ranked number one in the country, only one loss on the season, is plus 175 to win the SEC tournament. Kentucky in second place right now at plus 245. Arkansas and Tennessee are actually in third in league play right now, both at five and three. Tennessee plus six fifty, Arkansas fourteen to one. LSU is four and four in league play; they are also plus six fifty. Alabama ten and one, Florida twenty four to one, Mississippi State thirty to one, Texas A and M thirty to one. Outside of Auburn and Kentucky, are you looking at anybody with an upset chance here? Tennessee. I think because the way they defend, I think this team can be dangerous. They got some size inside. Santiago and Fulkerson can be dangerous. Um, Anytime you play defense at the level Rick Barnes' teams do, you always have a chance in almost every basketball game. LSU's a little bit inconsistent. You know, there's two teams for me where I make a huge distinction. Uh, It is Auburn and LSU. I feel like they're great teams when they're on their home floors. But I think when you get them away from home, I don't know how good they're necessarily going to be. That's why I still like um, Kentucky to win the SEC tournament. I think they are a little bit more challenged, a little bit more seasoned when you look at the teams they've played so far. When we saw Auburn as number one go on the road to Como, they barely escaped against a win uh, against that team. I know Alabama lost the game there, but Alabama's not as good as maybe you know initially was thought in the SEC. I don't know. They looked awful good against Baylor at home on Saturday. You, I didn't want to point fingers, but I was referring to you when I said you think Alabama. You want to hop, hop on that bandwagon, you go right ahead. This team is not going to win against any team that's not at, at home. When you look at the schedule down the stretch here, though, you made this point that Auburn's going to win the regular season. Yeah. I'd look for that number, right? Well, I think and, it was like $7. Minus? Yeah. Oh, it's, that's heavy. Here's what they have left. At Arkansas, 
at Florida and at Tennessee. When you look at Kentucky, who's already two games behind in the loss column and lost to Auburn, they still have to go to at Alabama, at Tennessee, at Arkansas. I, I think Auburn wins the regular season by daylight, and they'll be the number one seed. I would agree with you there. I think Kentucky, though, is going to be a dangerous team, fully healthy. I thought the win in Lawrence was outstanding. I thought it helped them a lot. They dominated that game start to finish. It wasn't even close. Um, Alabama's 1-4 and four on the road so far this year in true road games. They got the great win. They got the best win of the college basketball season at Seattle, and I would say that until this past weekend in terms of what Kentucky did at the Fog. To win that dominant oh, stop. Stop with your Kansas. Kansas is a fraud. I told you Hold that on. Texas Hold Tech on. should have Hold beat on. Kansas there, too. Texas Tech's a better team. Kansas oh. might might be the third best team in the Big 12. Might. Hold on a second. Let's go back to what I said specifically about this league. I said KU's the best regular season team. Baylor's the better tournament team. They'll go deeper in this tournament. KU will end up winning the regular season crown. But make no mistake about it. Winning at the Fog is an accomplishment. You want to take that away? You Iowa to... State almost beat them there. Lost by a point. Come on. Enough with this. This this is not a good Bill Self team. I didn't this say is it was not a good team. team. At home, they're a different team. The, the, the fog is, is a little bit of an advantage. I'll give you that. Kentucky was up by like 26 in the second half on them. They yeah, absolutely no. tore them apart. Okay, let's move to the uh, Big 12. Real quick, Auburn 550 to win the league. Minus 550? Yeah. It's a little steep, but they're going to win is. the league. I'd like to lay a game and a half or something like that. I wish it, it was by a margin. Because I think they actually have the easier schedule down the stretch with a two-game lead. Anything, before I go to Big 12, anything on Musselman's team, they're playing awful well. I'm, I'm not a believer in this no? team. No. I, I mean, look, they play well when they're at the bud. I All think right. they'll give Auburn a game when they're there, but I don't think they're consistent enough to be able to win in, in four games in the SEC tournament. Big 12 tournament will be wide open. I think we know that. The there, Big 12 tournament? Yeah, yeah, there's no easy outs there. It's a 10-team league, but there's no easy outs there. TCU can beat you on a given day. Oklahoma State can beat you on a given day. Oklahoma can beat I mean, that's the bottom of the league right now. Let's just take a look at the odds. Um, I agree with you. I think Kansas wins the regular season crown, especially looking at the schedule they have left. Um, to win the tournament, they're 2-1, to one, plus 205. Baylor's their favorite at plus 185. Team I love, Texas Tech is 5-1. to one. Texas is 6-1. to one. TCU 9-1. to one. Iowa State 13-1. to one. Oklahoma 17-1. to one. You know, the one thing in the Big 12 tournament is going to come down to the matchups in terms of who plays whom and at what point in time. Because Baylor, KU, and Texas Tech, Mike, I believe are head and shoulders above everyone else in that league. I think there's a huge gap. I, I know Texas defends, but I think there's some separation there. The rest of the teams are all capable of potentially getting to a semifinal, maybe even to a final. I don't believe they'll be able to knock off one of those three teams in a championship game. They might be able to previous to that. Um, I, I think it's hard to call who's going to end up winning that tournament until we see... Does Texas Tech have to play Kansas in the semifinal, or do they have to play uh, Baylor? That'll determine it for me. Right now, Kansas minus 130 to win the regular season uh, title in the Big 12. Um, Baylor has to go to Kansas later this week on the 5th, and then the return trip to Waco is on 226. That'll go a long way to determining that. Pac-12 tournaments in Las Vegas. I think you and I got to go see some of these games, at least from the semifinals on. I'm going to tell you right now, the final game, because remember the rematch is at McHale coming up. Coming up on the third. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the rubber match, I believe. I think Arizona Thursday. wins at home. I cannot wait. I think the UCLA-Arizona third game here at T-Mobile will be the best game before the tournament this year. Right now to win the tournament, Arizona favorite at plus 144, UCLA plus 160. I just bet both those teams. That's what I was just going to ask you. No, I don't absolutely. believe anybody else can win it. I know Dana Altman gets on these runs and Oregon plays well later in the year. I don't think they're good enough. They're not good enough. And the next time Andy Enfeld runs a play will be the first time. <laughs> um, regular season, who do you think wins it? Uh, UCLA's got a couple of tough losses along the way, right? They lost to Oregon at home. and then they, uh, That's it. 
Oh, the they, only one? Okay. So they go to Arizona, then they're at USC, at Oregon. Road games for Arizona, uh, not really any tough ones. They they host UCLA, host USC, host Oregon. They've got a favorable schedule in terms of what games are at McHale Center coming. So they've got, uh, I'm looking at Arizona. they got the two L.A. schools yeah. coming in, and then the rest of the way, Mike, I'm telling you, Colorado, watch out of Colorado. That can be tricky Arizona, for Arizona. minus 110 to win the regular season. When I like come back, the plays. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Bet River Sportsbook takes football same game parlays to a whole other level. Now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combo. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combination. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1 800 Gambler. Indiana 1 800 9 with it. Colorado 1 800 522 4700. Michigan 1 800 270 7117. Virginia 1 888 532 3500. And Iowa call 1 800 Bets Off. Welcome back into Odds on Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. Uh, recapping the weekend, Amal, um, the Ohio game was a loser, the total on Friday. But you cash with Ash Barty straight sets to win the Aussie Open. And then I credit you with all the Rams futures on the NFC. Yeah, you know, it was fortunate there. I thought the Rams, I thought they got a really huge break when the Packers lost to the 49ers. And they lost six in a row, and being at home, I thought was the difference. If they had to go on the road, I don't know if they would in Santa Clara. And financially, with your hedging and all that, how'd you end up with the Rams? I know you said you didn't watch the game, but you, you already had a decision based on what you would have put on San Francisco, all that. How did it work out for you? Yeah, so what I did was just for simple computation. Yeah. I put $1,000 on the Rams bets on the money line. Or, I mean, on the, to win the game. So I bet 1000 on San Francisco on the money line just the same way, but I wanted to take a small profit. Plus 155? Plus 155, yeah. yeah. So just went from there. Win with the Boise on Friday. Uh, lose the soccer total in Africa yesterday, and then they, the teaser goes down with the Chiefs. Um, got a nice middle on the 37 on the uh, NFC Championship game. So overall, from a betting perspective, it was a decent weekend. I got a few plays today, Amal. Uh, I know you didn't have anything for the, for the kids, but let's let's start out where I really specialize: the NBA. You know, the Atlanta Hawks, Amal, have won seven games in a row, and they're hosting the Toronto Raptors, who come off a triple overtime game in Miami. I'm going to lay the two at home with the Hawks here for two units. The Grizzlies are in Philadelphia tonight, Amal. They have won three in a row. The Sixers have won seven in a row. I actually tuned into a numbers game at 8 a.m. Pacific time 
I wanted, I was interested to see, hear Gil guess what the Super Bowl line would be with Chris Andrews. But they had our own NBA expert, Jonathan Von Tobel, on the show. And he was talking about this matchup tonight with the Grizzlies, who want to press the pace against the 76ers team that do not want to get out and run. I just want to correct one thing. We have the wrong odds up here on the Grizzlies-76ers game. I took the Grizzlies plus three and a half. What's oh, is it three and a half? Okay, because yeah. the line is showing minus three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. No, Grizzlies are laying points here. Are you sure? Yeah, no, Joel Embiid tonight. That's why I are thought you, you sh- took the play. I, I took the play this morning. Oh, nice. Very four. nice. Oh, you got a great number then. It was plus four. Well, the line's now shifted about eight points. Oh, that's good. I'll probably lose. <laughs> I'll probably lose the game, and that's definitely. That's definitely. Uh it's a Yaroslav Halak day in Chicago as he's going to get the start for the Canucks against Fleury. I'll take the Canucks on the road, plus 105. They didn't give up a goal in regulation in Calgary on Saturday night. They, didn't, they got a point because they didn't score either and lost one nothing in overtime. But this Hawks team gives up a lot of goals. I think the Canucks score early here, and maybe I'll get myself in a position to lock up a winner. And then uh, I took TCU here tonight. I wasn't sure if to play the under or TCU. I just thought six is a little bit too much in this game. I think it's going to be a one-possession game coming down to the end, and hopefully TCU can execute in the half court. I would agree with you. I would take TCU before I lay it with the yeah. Sooners here to have to win by seven. To me, this is one of those games that feels like I think Oklahoma wins, and I think the margin is somewhere between four to eight points. Okay. Um, I want to talk about one other NBA game tonight, Amal. That's the Heat at the Celtics, and I have a macro question. Uh, Jacob Roach loves those type of things, but let's get into the game itself. Heat, 32-18, and 18, currently the number one seed in the East at Boston, 26-25, and 25, currently in the nine position. The Celtics are laying four and a half here. Jimmy Butler is day-to-day with the toe injury. They only played once this year. It was way early in the season, November 4th. The Celtics won 95-78. Uh, line now up to six here, Amal, on the Celtics. Uh, thoughts on this game? And then I have an overall question of, you can still find the Heat 15, 16 to 1 to win the NBA title. With the Nets issues, uh, with the injury to Durant, Kyrie can't play at home. Um, are they worth a shot to come out of the East here at a play at 16 to 1 to win the NBA title? Absolutely. Because when you look at the Western Conference right now, we see Golden State sinking. Phoenix obviously is still ascending and playing extremely well. In the Eastern Conference, um, you know, I kind of discounted Miami a little bit because of the injuries. Remember tonight, no Jimmy Butler in the game, uh, ankle injury, no P.J. Tucker, who's tremendous defensively, and that's why you're seeing such a big line here in yeah. favor of the Seas. Too many injuries in my concern. Oladipo, Lowry still out, but talent-wise, Mike, if this team gets healthy with Spose coaching, I think they're very dangerous. They've got the experience, and Butler's one of those guys who doesn't get credit for being a killer because they haven't won or he doesn't have that marquee name on a global scale. But he's one of these guys who wills his team in situations. And at um, I see 550 to win the East. I think you can take a shot on them to win the East or to win the title. They're dangerous. You mentioned with Brooklyn. Too much uncertainty. Milwaukee, a little bit inconsistent. Milwaukee but... seems disinterested at times. Hey, they, they really do. blown out by Denver yesterday. Um, I don't know if they got fat and happy with winning <laughs> the title. Um, but uh, they, they don't have the consistent effort. I think the Heat will be the number one seed in the East. Uh, right now uh, here at DraftKings, uh, 13 to one on Miami. I, I still think they're a good shot. I, I like them. Surprised the Warriors are plus four seven five. I don't understand the affinity for the Nets because if they wind up, with, if you're the Nets, you actually want to wind up in fifth place, right? Like you want to tank. Yep. Because you want Kyrie to be able to play you more be games on the, on the road, road all the series. Yes. I mean, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I, I think the Heat are a great play based on those odds. When you look out west mm-hmm. um, at the landscape. 
Do you discount the Lakers? Or do you write them off as a title contender? Well, look, LeBron's 37. He's playing tremendously well, but the rest of the team is not. And it's hard to see them. They're at 8-1. to one. When was the last time you saw a ninth-place team at 8-1? to one? You know, I'm sure Britton had a great line before the show today. He said that the Lakers dropped to 11th. They'll have an emergency owners meeting and figuring out a way to have the top 11 teams qualify for the playoffs. <laughs> um, I, the, look, they're dangerous. Remember, in the playoffs, you're not going to have back-to-back games. You're going to have spacing in between the days uh, of the playoff games. That helps a lot with an older team. The problem is, what do they do with Russell Westbrook? Do they end up moving him? If he sticks around, how does this team adjust? Do they make a switch at coaching with Frank Vogel? I think Vogel's a terrific coach. I just think he's getting a bit of the raw end or a short, a short end of the stick here. Are the best three teams in the West, the Warriors, Suns, and Grizzlies? Yeah, I remember Joe English just tore his ACL. He's going to be out for the year for the Utah Jazz. That helps, That hurts you coming off the bench. Um, I would say yes. But, you know, there's a part of me that doesn't believe in Memphis mm-hmm. maybe as much as their play has shown, and maybe I'm wrong on that. I like Ja. He's fun to watch. But I think there's too much standing around by the other four players when John Morant's on the floor in, in ten, instead of getting everyone else involved. All right, let's talk about a couple of hockey games tonight, Amal. In Columbus, Florida takes their high-flying offense on the road to take on the Blue Jackets. Florida, number one in the Atlantic Division with 67 points. The Blue Jackets currently fifth in the Metro with 41 points. Big price on the road here. Panthers laying 290, get back 245 on the Blue Jackets. Total of six and a half. Juiced, in fact, to the over. You can get plus 105 on under six and a half. Looks like Bobrovsky against Merzlikens. Panthers have won three in a row coming in. Blue Jackets have won two in a row. Big, big bounce back year for Sergei Bobrovsky. You know, they paid him all that money, the $10 million a year contract. It hadn't really panned out. But 22-4-3 and three on the year. And how about this? Games in which they've led going into the third period, the Florida Panthers are 23-0. and 0. That is impressive. That is impressive in terms of how they're able to close out. Um, you know, Bobrovsky, remember, he played in Columbus. Now, this is his third year down in South Florida, but this is always the game he wants to show out well. And if you're going to take this game, I think you have to take the puck line at minus a goal and a half, minus 25 uh, with, with the uh, Panthers here. This Blue Jackets team going nowhere fast. And let me ask you this. Do you believe in Bobrovsky in the postseason, and do you believe in the Panthers in the postseason? Haven't seen it yet, right? I mean, we haven't seen them be able to. They played a decent series against the Lightning last year. Yeah, but they gave up too many goals. Yeah, too many goals. You can't. You can't have. You can't play a six-game series and give up five goals twice. It's, it's not going to happen. You're not going to advance. Kings always win their Stanley yeah. Cups by giving up two goals. By the way, as a first period under, watch these Kings. They're, they're they might be the best first period under team in the league. All right, let's switch our focus to Detroit, where the Anaheim Ducks continue their road trip, uh, coming down from Canada to the Red Wings. Uh, Anaheim minus uh, 120 on the road here with a Gibson and net. He's been good this year with a 2-5-1. Red Wings finally back below 500. Nadelkovic, just 12-12-5 on the year, was much better when he was in Carolina. Yeah, it really has been. Has struggled this year. Uh, I'll tell you what, Gibby's had a good bounce back here, and so have the Ducks. They've got eight losses in overtime, which I don't like uh, that you're getting beaten mm-hmm. that many games in that situation. But give them credit. They are competitive. They've been in a ton of games here. Under five and a half looks intriguing to me, but I'll tell you the way I've been doing uh, in hockey totals, probably better off taking this thing over and unloading the clip on it. They're currently second in the Pacific behind the Knights. And then finally, Devils at Maple Leafs, another big number here. Leafs minus 330. Total of six favored to the over. Devils have lost four in a row. The Leafs have won three in a row. And Jack Campbell, another solid year in net, 26 and three with a 226 goals against. Um, 
tell you what, this Toronto team has been consistently good. That's the one thing. You know, everyone thinks of the offense, Tavares, Austin, uh, Matthews and company, but he's gotten a really great effort out of Jack Campbell this year. I thought about the puck line here. Lay a puck and a half, minus 125 I'm all. Stay tuned to VEASAN. Up next, betting across America. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 